Conversations, random, off-the-cuff discussions on all things paranormal. Welcome to Paranormal Conversations. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we're joined by Gina Black. She's a writer and a paranormal investigator. We had a great discussion with her. You guys are going to absolutely love this. She shares a lot of tips about investigations and experiences that she's had. Yep, it sure was a fun time. Writer and paranormal investigator Gina Black is joining us. She's been published by Paranormality Magazine and hosts her own blog, She Haunts Official. Her Instagram is awesome and can be found under at She Haunts. And that's actually how we stumbled across her. And we were delighted to see that she was located right here in Florida like we are, Southern Florida to be exact. Welcome, Gina. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. We have had such a great time watching you do a lot of your live investigations. And you clearly love cemeteries like we do. So you just you have a great Instagram. Thank you. Uh, The first question we always ask everyone is, how did you originally get started in the paranormal field? That is an excellent question. It's a little bit of a multifaceted one for me. So when I moved to Florida in 1996 with my family, we moved into a house that was not very old. I would say it was about maybe 30 years old when my parents got it. And Immediately after moving into this house, there was some activity. And both of my parents and my brother and I have experienced it. Uh, They've all seen the apparition of this person who we believe to be perhaps an elderly person who might have been living with their son and daughter-in-law or whoever they were living with. Um, And I've experienced things moving, hearing voices, sleep paralysis, all that kinds of stuff. And I never really understood it. That's how it kind of began. I I got interested in this because of my own personal experiences in my own home. I got into, in college, uh, watching a lot of ghost shows, ghost adventures, ghost hunters. I was very interested in that. And I would, you know, follow along on all the different episodes to see where they were going I would write little notes down in my planner of various locations because I like to travel. And whenever I'd find myself on the road, whether it be for pleasure or for work, I would try to visit various paranormal locations just to see if I could capture anything on my own. And through this sort of exploration, I would say about 2016, I went to the old prison in St. Augustine on my very first paranormal investigation and what I thought was just a fun activity for my husband and I, we landed up capturing some intelligent responses on a spirit box. And from that moment on, I was totally hooked on the paranormal. He bought me for my birthday and for Christmas, he would buy me ghost hunting equipment. And I would just do my very best to try to find places that I can use these different devices at to see if I can capture anything. And, you know, through all of this, I landed up finding my people 
locally. And now I'm on a paranormal team and we do investigations and it's just, it's a dream come true. I absolutely love it. I love investigating for fun. I also love helping people that need help with the paranormal, whether it be in a home or a business. My, my team does that as well. And we also do education events. So it's just a really interesting way how that kind of came, you know, from the beginning, being really nervous about it, not understanding to where I am today, where now I seek it out. So it's an interest. It's been an interesting journey, I would say. You also must be psychic because I was going to ask, when did you start investigating officially? <laughs> so now we know. And I love yeah. where you started because the first time I was up in St. Augustine, I did the little trolley thing and, you know, you could buy tickets to go do other stuff. And I'm like, the old jail looks kind of hokey, but I'll give it a try. And you take the tour there and you go in and you're like, this is not hokey. And yeah. I've never investigated there, but mm -hmm. it looks like it would be a great place to investigate. Oh, I, I really do recommend it. It's a little pricey versus some of the other locations in the town. If you can get one of the later time slots, because they do investigations pretty often, usually the later you go, the less people are on the investigation. And it it really was an incredible experience because you're able to go into what they call the hole, you know, the area that was solitude. And you can go into this dark room and, and you know, there's no lights on and you can really feel the experience of you know, maybe what those people felt being in that space and just walking among the rows and rows of beds and learning how cramped and crowded and it was just an inhumane experience. You can feel that energy. And where I ended up picking up my, you know, first captured EVP, which was the, you know, the aha moment for me was actually there's a room on the top floor right by where the warden and his family would live. There was a little, it's a, it's an interesting room. It's round. And one of the windows looks out to where they have the gala, the gallows. And the other window looks out to the main street. And in this room, there's some memorabilia from the prison. And there is a noose hanging on the wall. And when I held my spirit box up to that noose, it just lit up. And I really think that the place is just, if anybody's able to go and experience it, even during the day, I've heard people have captured apparitions on camera, people have captured EVPs. It's just such a wild place that I think that no matter what time of day you go, you have a really good chance of capturing paranormal activity. It's kind of interesting because we've been there several times, but I don't think we've ever taken out any of our equipment, sadly. <laughs> well, and jails are our favorite place to investigate. If you would have told us that a few years ago, I would have been like, no. But we've been to so many jails now and done investigations. And it, I think it really is because it has that kind of energy in them where you've got most of them. It was an inhumane, like you said, experience, especially the solitude that many of them would have to be under or they would you know, not even let them talk to each other, even if they could see each other and that kind of thing. As I said, we love to watch you do your live investigations. And one of the reasons why is because we really love your style. You are very respectful about the way you do it. And it seems like you are really successful in collecting evidence. And I think it's because you go in there with that kind of respect and you ask interesting questions. And part of the reason why you ask interesting questions is because you're really great about asking followers, hey, do you guys have some questions you want me to ask? Even like while when you're doing the live, you're like, you know, pop your questions in and stuff. Let me know. What do you want me to to ask and that kind of thing? Where did you get that kind of uh, feel for that style? Or is that just something that was innately in you? 
Well, that's a great question. I would say, you know, as I mentioned, I was really interested when I first got started in watching a lot of paranormal shows that became something that was very regular for me. And one of my favorite paranormal shows, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Kindred Spirits. And what I really found so important about that show was their kindness and the way that they they communicated with the dead and and the amount of evidence they captured without walking in there, puffing their chest up and just Hey, ghost, come after me, you know, like some other shows are and uh, without right. naming names. It was just so different from what I had seen. And I, I thought that there, you know, Adam and Amy and, and Chip Coffee capture some wonderful evidence. And I really was, you know, when I got started, I didn't want, I didn't want to come in, coming in hot, you know, yelling and screaming and demanding answers. I wanted to come in and, and just see who was around and if they wanted to talk. And you know, what I found was that provocation is not really the answer. I think the answer for at least for me and my my team is if you come in with compassion and respect, you're going to get more activity because they want to talk to you. They're not angry at you. They're not trying to get you out. They, they want to have a conversation. Maybe they've been there for who knows how long. And they want to remember some parts about themselves that remind them of their humanity. And for whatever reason, why they're still remaining here, or if they're floating in and out of wherever they're coming from, they want to have that interaction, that human connection. And I think when you ask questions that prompt good memories for them, they really do want to open up to you. And I would say that out of all the the locations I, I visited, I do have some locations that I frequent pretty often. And I think it is important to say that when you do get a lot of interaction, sometimes that's because you've been to a location so many times. And the, the entities are comfortable with you. So many of the locations that I do frequent, I've been there dozens of times and I've already opened up that relationship. And oftentimes I'll get my name on the recorders. I'll get my name on the spirit box. People will get my name when I'm not around because those spirits are comfortable with me. And I think that for any investigator, that's important to note because if you go back to a location more than once and you can build that relationship, you'll get even better results than to just try to hit every paranormal location you can just to say, hey, I've been here, I've been here, I've been here, I've been here. There, There's something really interesting about creating that connection. And I think that when I do the live investigations, I really do want to show the honesty of the investigation. We're out here just trying to have fun. We're doing what we love. We're passionate about it. And we want the interaction from friends online because maybe those friends don't have an opportunity to do this yet. Maybe they're interested. Maybe this is their way of getting their toes, you know, in the, you know, dipping your toes in the deep end before you jump in. Maybe you can ask a few questions, see if you get a response, and maybe that might make you feel more confident to go out and try it for yourself. I love having the involvement on the lives for that. And also, I run out of ideas. I'm human. I'm only going to ask so many questions and I'm going to go, well, I don't know what else to say now. (laughs) We've run into that before. (laughs) Yeah. and, And you can only do so much to prepare in those kinds of situations. And I will say, you know, it's good to open up with some, you know, regular questions that you want to keep in your arsenal, you know, um, you know, who am I speaking with? Is this a man or a woman? You know, but you start after a while, you got to come up with more creative questions in order to get responses. And the questions have to be respectful. And as long as you're keeping along that nice, even, respectable tone, I think that the responses are going to be really great. And just from my experience and my suggestion to anybody out there who's interested. And I have a feeling that you've experienced the same thing that we have is that before we would go in and investigate places and you'd hear scary things about like 
let's say the Velisca Axe murder house, and you're like, oh my gosh, that house has got to be just scary and creepy and all this other stuff. And I think when you go in with that kind of an attitude where you're respectful, you're not in there to stir up trouble, you're not bringing in negative energy with you, we have yet to have what I would call a negative experience. And people say, what's the scariest place you've been in? And I'm like, I can't really say I've been in what I would call a scary place so far because we've always just had most of the interactions we've had. I'm like, wow, you know? Yeah, it's more exciting than anything else. So I think that that really going in with that kind of an attitude takes away the fear from it too. Absolutely. And that's, and that's true. A lot of people ask, you know, are you afraid? Are you nervous? And I'm not, I'm really not because I know that when I enter a location, I'm entering with a positive attitude. I'm leaving. I also say, please don't follow me home. You have to say these things. You have to protect (laughs) yourself. But I think a lot of what people are worried about is negative hype from certain maybe shows or YouTubers or or somebody who's trying to drum up following because they're instilling fear in people that the paranormal is scary and you're going to get a spirit attachment and you're going to get possessed and you're going to, all these things are going to happen to you. And I think that if you go in with the right methods and you go in and you protect yourself and you go in, like you said, with a positive attitude, that those scary things I'm not saying they don't exist, but they're less likely to happen. We definitely agree with that. And you do like to do experiments. So what are some of your favorites, if you don't mind sharing with the listeners? Absolutely. I I love experiments. I I love ghost hunting equipment, too. But I also like trying different things. And um, my team and I have have been just, you know, we're always thinking of new ways that we can investigate so it's not the same old same old and a few of the the experiments experiments we've done recently are uh we have a a twist on the estes method which the estes method uh was created in colorado by a team of investigators at the the stanley hotel what you do in an estes method is you have headphones on that are plugged into a spirit box device that sifts through radio stations at a rapid pace and sometimes you hear voices or sentences phrases through the white noise. Uh, In this method, you're also blindfolded. So you don't, you have that sensory deprivation of not being able to hear anybody in the room, only the box, and you're blinded to what any of the investigators are doing or saying. This is a method that's commonly used. Uh, What my team has been trying recently is we're adding a sketchbook. And when I've done these sessions, in addition to speaking whatever I hear through the spirit box, I'm also drawing. Now, these drawings are, are what's coming to my mind's eye during this experiment. So maybe I might draw a circle and and I might draw a square and I might draw an arrow from the circle to the square and I might, you know, hear a voice say, I'm here. And then I draw an arrow to somewhere on the paper and I, you know, it almost becomes a treasure map. And sometimes, oftentimes, we found that this type of method has been very eerie because I've drawn things that relate to the questions that the investigators are asking that I could not hear them ask. I've drawn faces when they've said, who are we speaking to? And I just start drawing a face. I'm blindfolded. I can't hear. And it's a very interesting result that we've been getting. I can't say conclusively if it is paranormal or or not, but the more we've been doing it, the more evidence we've been collecting is very compelling. On a recent investigation of the Devil's Tree in Port St. Lucie, Florida, just a quick background on that. It is a kill site for a, it was the 
kill site for a serial killer in the 1970s, Gerard John Schaefer. He's a convicted serial killer. And we went to this site a few times. And the last time we went, I was drawing and drawing during the Estes method. And I, I kept drawing eyes or it looked like eyes. I thought in my head I was drawing boats and I didn't know what I was drawing. I was just drawing what was coming to my mind's eye. And I didn't know this at the time, but the serial killer, when he was in prison, wrote a very disturbing poem about eyes, the eyes of his victims. And it was just a very eerie connection that I did not know. And one of the investigators on my team actually did the research on that. And she brought it to my attention. She said, hey, maybe these eyes are more than what we thought they were. So it's just it's an interesting experiment. I encourage anybody to try it. All you need is a sketchbook and I use a Sharpie. And while you, you're in the Estes session, if something comes to your mind or if you hear a word or a phrase, it, you know, just draw blindly and see if it makes any sense. So that's one that we've done. And we've done recently, I have a pair of dowsing rods. If anybody's ever familiar with those, they're great on investigations. And I recently got a pair that glows in the dark. And you can actually set the colors to these rods so that you can have things like pink, green, blue, red. And what I like to do is have the rods out and also have a portal going. And a portal is a box that amplifies a spirit box. So you can hear that radio station rapid sweeping and sometimes you hear voices. So what I like to do is I ask questions with the rods and I'll say, do you like pink? Do you like blue? Do you like green? And then you might hear green come through the the portal box. Okay, you like green? Yes, I do. And then you start using the rods at the same time as the portal. And now you have a way to double up on your evidence because not only do you have the rods moving by themselves, you have the portal box validating your experience by using, by, you know, when you get words that go along with that session. So we've been doing that too, and it's been really cool. But I would say, even if you have no equipment, one that we've been doing a lot recently that we've been really leaning into because we've gotten great responses is just the flashlight trick, which is as old as time when it comes to paranormal investigating. And you just get a flashlight that has a screw top and you want to just unscrew it enough so that it's barely making contact with the battery. You leave that flashlight down somewhere that where it's not touching anybody or anything that could move it. That All the spirit has to do is just kind of tap the top of that flashlight and it will turn it on and off and you can ask yes or no questions. And that is such a profound experiment, in my opinion, because you can get really, really, really cool responses and it lights up the room and it's just, it's just exciting. I hope that's, I, I, <laughs> I know that's you, a lot. <laughs> the first time we ever hosted an investigation and invited listeners to come with us, it was at the Squirrel Cage Jail in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And we'd gone out and gotten a mag light. And of course, we'd seen this on TV a bunch of times, but you know, you sit there and go, are they really, you know, is that really happening? And I'd been on a couple of ghost tours where they'd used them. And you always were like, do they have some kind of a remote control that they're doing that with? So we unscrewed it and we set it down. And as far as the listeners knew, we knew exactly what we were doing, you know, and we don't know what we're doing. And asked a question, you know, if you're here with us, will you turn on the flashlight? And bam, it turned on. And my heart must have been like, boom, through the roof, because I was like sitting there going, oh, my gosh. This really works. Meanwhile, yeah. she's trying to play it all cool. I was trying to play like, oh, wow, look, the <laughs> well, flashlight thank you turned on. For that response. I appreciate that. <laughs> so it is very cool when that happens. And, you know, there's people who say, oh, it heats up. And that, and I'm like, no, when you have it happen 
over and over, especially when you're asking it specifically to turn it on and off. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you just can't time that. I agree. And that's something that anybody, you know, 20 bucks on Amazon, you know, you can get yourself one and start. Exactly. I had seen that you were doing the Estes method with automatic writing. And I was like, wow, that is fascinating. I'd never seen that done before. And what I really love about that is, I don't know if you've gotten this feeling, but the Estes method is my favorite thing to do. And I, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. And I feel almost like after you've been doing it for, let's say, you know, 15 minutes, your mind starts to, um, I don't know, I wouldn't say you go into a trance state, but it almost feels like you're moving into a, a different plane, whether you're trying to or not. And so it's fascinating when you mix the automatic writing in there, because a lot of the time when people do automatic writing, that's what they're doing. They're kind of going into a trance state and, you know, take over my body and you can write through me or whatever. And so I wonder if by you using the Estes method with that, if that's not helping to facilitate that to work even better. I I do think it is. I've seen some people do automatic writing. There's a few accounts that have done some Estes and, and, and drawing. I've seen a few. I don't claim to be the first, but we started doing it because I, I'm an artist myself. I love art. I always have a sketchbook on me and it just sort of came up, you know, why don't we try something new? Like you said, you do become almost like you're in a trance-like state. And the first time I ever tried this, I actually said, listen, I'm going to sit with the headphones and the blindfold on in complete sensory deprivation for 15 minutes before tapping me in and letting me start. and. I think I, maybe you don't need to go quite that long. I said that was my first time trying it. But nowadays, I usually sit for about maybe five or six minutes before we start. But it does absolutely bring you into, I think it's really kind of opening up your third eye in a way, because you really are in tune with your breathing, you're listening, you're listening for connections, you're opening yourself up, and you become almost like a channel to what's coming through the box. And maybe you might interpret something as, you know, maybe you might hear a voice, a man's voice, and that man's voice is coming through a few times. And then you start drawing a male figure. And maybe that male figure has something to do with what the investigators are asking. And it is just, it's an interesting thing. And if you can't see what you're drawing, and you come out with something that's relevant to what is being asked, it's just an aha moment. And I I really do encourage anybody who's out there that wants to try it, you know, it's a wonderful tool to use. And you might really shock yourself at what comes through. And I like to kind of, you know, as I go, I'm ripping out pages. I go through sketchbooks pretty fast with this thing, (laughs) this method. And I'll just be ripping because I don't want to, you know, keep going over a drawing. So I'll draw something and then I I don't know what it is. I'll just rip it off. And then, you know, at the end, what's fun is you get to look at all the drawing and you get to see maybe something makes sense to you or makes sense to someone else. And it almost kind of paints a picture if you lay them out on the floor of the conversation. So it's pretty neat. And it definitely, but the Estes method is so cool. And we've tried it a few different ways. We've also tried split cables. I don't know if you've ever tried that. But some people question the Estes method for being, you know, faked or or people kind of pretend they're hearing things that they don't. So one way that we tried this in our team was we got a splitter. So we had a splitter that went from the the spirit box to two different sets of headphones. So we had two different investigators listening to the same box, hearing the same thing. So that way you can kind of say, all right, this is nobody's BS here. We're, they're hearing what they're hearing. Another thing that's kind of neat is you can do a double Estes method. If you have two spirit boxes, two investigators, 
either in the same room or in different rooms and see if there's any sort of conversation that correlates with the questions. Because sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes you hear voices going back and forth to each other, not necessarily to the investigators that are asking the question. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that happens in an Estes, a double Estes. You'll hear one investigator kind of yakking at the other, and it seems like they're going back and forth to each other, yet they can't hear one another. So it's an interesting experiment, too. Yeah, there's many times when I'll tell Kelly when we're in the middle of the Estes method, and I'll just be like, I think they're talking to each other. They're not talking to me. And so yeah. I'm like, I'm not quite picking up what they're doing, but I can tell that they're like back and forth. Mm-hmm. So you use the portal from Paraforce, and we've been tempted to pick up one of those. What one did we get? We have uh, one of their... I can't remember what we got. It items. was Yeah, I can't remember, but... We haven't had the opportunity to play with it all that much yet. But in regards to that, what do you think about their portal? I really love it. Uh, the first time I tried using this, I was always aware of it as being an option, and I wanted to purchase one for myself. Uh, a couple of members of my team have hand-built styles where they you know, use guitar pedals and different things. Uh, I wanted to get one for myself. So I did a lot of research. I looked into the Geoport, which is very expensive, if you're familiar with that. There's a bunch of different boxes out there. But the reason why I landed with them was I felt that you can get a lot more control in in their style box. It's, you know, you don't have to worry about cables and, you know, guitar pedals. And because basically what that box does is it takes a spirit box, it takes a noise gate guitar pedal. So it cuts down on that white noise. And it takes a reverb guitar pedal, which it kind of stretches the voices a little bit, makes it a little easier to understand. So you have noise reduction and reverb and then you can adjust in between with with bass, treble. There's a lot of different options for adjusting. I tried it firsthand in St. Augustine last February. I went up for a weekend and my husband and I did a private investigation with the Paraforce team. They have various locations that they own where we chose to do a house and they have a private property which we investigated. It was a really cool investigation and I was excited that when I arrived they had one. So I said, okay, great. I can try this firsthand. And that was actually the first time I tried using the dowsing rods with the portal, getting some interesting responses. It was very enlightening because, you know, you're getting colors that you're using in real time coming through the box. And when I purchased one, I spent a good few hours when I, when it arrived in the mail to really dial in my settings. But I think that is very important with these type of devices that you have to be able to kind of learn the sweet spot settings right out of the box and then be able to adjust on the fly. With this particular box, you have to plug in a spirit box. I use the SB7T, which is the uh, ghost stop standard. You can also use an SB11. You can use an S box. You can use whatever type of spirit box you have. But I use the SB7 and I tune it to an FM radio sweep at a very slow pace of around 200. And that way... I think it slows it down enough so you can hear it and, you know, you kind of keep every your settings dialed in, maybe adjust a little bit, and the results are incredible. You'll get very clear voices, and it's not going to work every time. Just like with anything in the paranormal, sometimes they don't want to talk to you, sometimes they do. With this particular device, I've gotten some incredible evidence that I believe backs up the other devices that we're using, backs up the other experiences that we're having. And it becomes something that is essential for me 
Because if you keep that box running and you're doing other things in the room, you're going to get validation. You're going to hear maybe somebody standing in the doorway, you'll hear doorway. Or you'll hear, you know, maybe a, a, somebody will repeat on the box what you've just said. And that, in my opinion, is one of the best types of evidence you can capture because it's relevant to what's happening in the space, in the room, at the time of the investigation. So I found that it was a great investment. They, they run some great sales too, that company. So the, I think it's the Ghost Hunter Equipment Store. They also have a location in St. Augustine, which I've, I've bought many things when I drive up there because I'm always, I'm always going to St. Augustine. But they're a great company. I really do highly recommend them. I have a few of their, their devices. Yeah, same here. And I was going to ask, if have you been to a house 1930s in St. Augustine? So we ended up doing the same one because we wanted to do a private investigation where it was just us. And I had a nephew who was just getting his toes wet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this will be great. And I'm like, hopefully there'll be some activity. You know, we didn't know anything about it. We'd never heard of it before. And oh, my gosh, we had such a great time. Great activity. We we had gone to uh, Greenwood Cemetery several years ago. And the lady who led us through there and was talking about the history and the investigation there, she had said, hey, let's all sing a nursery rhyme and see if we can get some activity. And we brought our mag light with us. And so we set it up and we were singing Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star and bam, the light came on because we were in the nursery section of the cemetery. And so we were thinking about it. and We're like, you know, there's a little boy that's supposed to be here and, you know, they have a little teddy bear there for him. Maybe he would like it if we sang him some nursery rhymes. We were singing nursery rhymes all night long. (laughs) All of the equipment would go off at the same time. Like you said, it's so cool when you get multiple things happening at once because you're like, okay, this can't just be like by chance we bump the table or something like that. All this stuff is going crazy. And uh, so it was great. We really enjoyed that house. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. You have been to some great places. One of them is the uh, Lizzie Borden house. What was that like? For me, that was a true bucket list location. Uh, Even as a a young kid, I remember hearing that story and just being fascinated by it. And my mother has been a true crime junkie, you know, since I was born. And it's always on in the background. She's always into court cases. And it was just something that I was always interested in. So when I got the opportunity to visit, I was super excited. Unfortunately, while I was there, there was no rooms for rent available because it is a, 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 a Airbnb kind of thing, like a bed and breakfast. But I did the investigation. And it was just a really cool experience. We went in, there was activity almost immediately on the REM pod, which detects changes in EMF and also temperature. So that was going off in the parlor. We had some activity with dowsing rods. There was some activity with the the K2 EMF readers. And when we were down in the basement area, which is where they think that there's, you know, a negative energy, there was definitely some eeriness. It felt very eerie. And my husband actually captured an interesting photo on his phone uh, in the basement area. Very interesting, misty fog kind of situation that looks almost like a face. And it was, you know, a truly a really interesting experience. I didn't have as much activity as I have had at other locations. But you know, it's one of those things. I, I do believe that if you visit a location several times, you might have better luck because you're not always going to have the lottery winning of having everything align on any particular given night. 
but it was interesting. There was some activity that seemed to be intelligent. You know, we would ask questions and the, the REM pod would go off. So it was a really cool experience. What I really loved about that experience, though, was speaking to the docent. She was just a really cool lady to talk to. And I went in there thinking Lizzie did it. I said, Lizzie did it. She did it. She did it. She did it. And this docent actually really challenged that for me. And she said, hey, you know, I, what about this? What about this? What about that? And she brought up a lot of compelling argument against Lizzie being guilty. And she moved me from a hard stance on her being guilty to neutral. So now I'm not so sure. <laughs> but it was it was just a really cool experience for me. And I would love to stay there if I had another chance to go back. The The rooms look really cool. So I, I think that would be even better to be able to stay overnight. But it is just such a wonderful place. We did an episode on that. And by the end of that, I was in the same place you were. I was like, I don't know that Lizzie actually did it. I even fell on maybe her <laughs> sister had done it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you've right. been to the Stanley Hotel? Yes. That is also, that was a bucket list for me. And another place that I didn't get a ton of evidence, but there was some evidence. So the Stanley Hotel has gone through ups and downs with paranormal. There have been years where they've had lots of, you know, they do a paranormal tour, where like a ghost tour where they walk you around. And there used to be in the past more ghost hunting involved in that. But when I went, it was just, you know, we'll walk you around the hotel. I happen to have some equipment with me. I had a Melmeter. I think I had my recorder. I had something else with me. And the tour guide let me use them. So I was just, you know, kind of poking around on the tour using my devices. And I did get several spikes in the employee areas of the hotel. They take you through the back of the house. They take you through the theater. They take you through all these different places. And then they ended in the basement, which is the famous foundation of the hotel that everybody talks about. And But when we were walking through the employee lounge and some areas around there where they have frequent activity, I was getting unexplained EMF readings that were just all over the place. Uh, The EMF reader really should never, I mean, even with your cell phone being on airplane mode, everybody else's cell phone being on airplane mode, you might still get a few small spikes. But I mean, this thing was reading wild, you know, up and down fluctuations, not only in EMF, but also in temperature which was really odd. And a lot of other people in the room felt a presence when it was going off. So I'm not sure what that means, whether that means it could be a spirit, it could very well not be a spirit, but it was interesting. And then when, so I I stayed at the hotel at that time, thankfully I was able to get a room at that hotel. And um, I set up my, my REM pod while I slept, you know, I spent the, the night exploring the hotel. They let you just wander the grounds if you're staying there. And I, I had a, a great time doing that all night. But I, I went to sleep around maybe 2 a.m. And I set my REM pod up and it started going off around sunrise. For no reason, it just started going off. I jumped out of bed, tried, of course, tried to capture it. I only captured a couple seconds of it and then it stopped and that was it. And that was the extent of my evidence captured at the Stanley Hotel. But you know what? It is one of those places that so many different people have had experiences. You can't really discount it as being not haunted. And it's one of those places I imagine if you go more and more, you'll you'll capture more activity. But I will say just going for that tour and being able to walk into the um, underbelly of the hotel, there is a famous foundation which talked about on many different shows, paranormal and otherwise, whereas that hotel is actually built into a rock. 
And the rock is a combination of quartz, limestone, and granite. And, you know, the quartz and, and the granite, you know, being in the limestone too, being conductors of energy. And that's why a lot of people believe that that hotel is, is as haunted as it is because of that stone foundation that is able to conduct the paranormal energy. And being able to go down there and actually put your hand on that stone is just so powerful and very cool. So I would say, you know, whether you can stay or take the tour, that was worth it for me. And I would definitely go back. It's a gorgeous area, Estes, Colorado. I grew up in Colorado, so I love it up at Estes Park. It's so great. So I love that the Estes Method is named for it. Yeah. (laughs) We were just in Fort Lauderdale a couple months ago. As a matter of fact, we just missed you guys. I think you had done like two Saturdays before you held one of the investigations or ghost hunts that you do it. I think it's called the New House Inn. New River Inn. New River Inn. That's it. So we just missed you because I'd seen that you had another one that you were doing later. And I'm like, oh, I bet they were the ones who hosted because the sign was still out in the front. We're like, oh, we just missed that. Do you have a favorite place in Fort Lauderdale? Well, I would have to say that that is my favorite location. It is, you know, when I when I joined up with the group of investigators that I'm with currently, um, one of the founding members had been doing events there long before I arrived. And he had built up a rapport with the spirits. And, you know, when I came in, it was just a wonderful exchange because there's really no negative energy in that place. I mean, you have some spirits that are a little grumpy. I'm not going to say that everybody's, you know, puppies and rainbows, but for the most part, everybody's willing to interact and it, it feels like a safe environment as far as energy goes. And you can have some really cool interactions. And, and because it's got so much history attached to it, you have the old hotel, which is the first hotel in the Fort Lauderdale Broward area. Then you have a pioneer home and a replica schoolhouse, which is built to the exact same specs as the original schoolhouse that was blown away in a hurricane, but it's still very much haunted. And you have this interesting relationship of spirits that move around the property. So you have the spirits of the people that ran the hotel. You have the spirits of people that stayed at the hotel. You have children that went to the school and also other people who I believe, I suspect, because there's other deaths in that area for various reasons, they go there because it's a safe place. And it's also right on the river, which many people will, you know, in a, in a paranormal theory might suggest that running water is a source of energy for spirits. So this is right along the river, so you have that. Um, but the schoolhouse, we get a lot of activity in. And the pioneer home. The pioneer home is definitely a family of spirits that lived previously in that home that you're going to get repeatedly. It is just such an interesting place to use a recorder. We get incredible EVP there. We get a lot on the spirit box in that location. You'll get the same names in all of those those three buildings because I think the spirits kind of move around the property for whatever reason. I have gotten more evidence at that location than anywhere else that I've investigated. But I do think that that has to do with kind of going back so many times. Um, we're there at least once a month. And I would say every other month we have a public investigation like what you mentioned that you saw the sign for. And that is such a cool thing because we're able to, through the museum, we do the paranormal, it's called the paranormal boot camp. And we have for about the first 30, 40 minutes, it's a little bit of education on how to use the equipment. And when I tell you, we have everything under the sun that you've seen on the shows between you know, all the members and we put it out for everybody to play with. You get to try everything you want. You can learn if there's a particular device, we'll show you how to use it. And then 
we go from there, you know, throughout the property and we bring the equipment. So if there's something you really wanted to try, you can try whatever you want. And it is such a cool event, but I would say that's definitely my favorite location. And it's called History Fort Lauderdale. And it's a living museum with the New River Inn, Replica School, and the King Cromarty House. The King Cromarty House was actually featured recently on an episode of Fright Club, which is a show with the Ghost Brothers and Jack Osborne, where they react to videos that are sent in from viewers that range from you know, paranormal hauntings to, you know, UFOs and Bigfoot. It's all, you know, everything in between. But there was a viewer that sent in a video from a day tour where they caught a shadow figure walking around in what they call the doll room, which is a uh, a room that is now on the second floor of the house that a little girl occupied. And it's got doll houses and, you know, toys and all kinds of stuff in there. And that room is very active. So it was kind of cool to see it on one of the big shows. And it's our, our home base. That very is cool. very cool. Cause you know, it's not some big grand house or, yeah. you know, anything that you hear a whole lot about. It's very cool how they moved it there too. Yes. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine how you just put a house on a barge and send it down the river. <laughs> That's some really interesting artwork in there too, that I enjoyed checking out. Yeah. But we should have investigated. Should have just plopped ourselves down. It was great well, they, though. The the guy who did the tour it. was great. It was it Dan. I don't know if you remember. I think I Dan, believe that old, was older name. gentleman. Yeah. So that yeah, he's he would have awesome. let you do it too because he, <laughs> we should have asked him. <laughs> yeah, he's really in. Well, he's, I want I don't want to say he's into the paranormal, but he's he he encourages and he supports it. Yeah, it's always hard to know because we'll go in and do just a historical tour. And when it's like, an, you know, some of these older guys and stuff, you're like, are they going to be all upset if we ask them about ghosts? And we did this one, um, Lillian Place, mm. up near uh, Daytona Beach. And the guy took us through and he was so excited about all the antiques in there. And he would ask us, do you know what this was used for and everything? So we get to the end of it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to ask him because I've heard that there's just some ghosts in here. <laughs> and this is before we'd ever investigated there. Now we know for sure that there are some spirits there. But and so I said, um have you ever had anybody tell you any strange stories here? And he's like, you mean like ghosts? And I was like, yes. And he just had all kinds of stories. And I was like, I should have asked him earlier. But, you know, you kind of tiptoe into it because you're like, well, I don't want to make them upset, you know, if they're really into the history and they don't want to talk about spirits. So that's that's kind of like the way Dan is. Then we should have asked him about it. Yeah, he was a wealth of information. Oh, he's the best. But we get his name all the time. They love him. They're always asking for him. (laughs) Well, that's great then. Yeah. Yeah. I have to go to the Lillian place that's on my list. I still haven't made it there. Oh, it's got it. it's got some great activity, especially we we went upstairs. We have this horrible thing happen to us. We go into these places where these all these rooms that you can go into mm-hmm. and you're there with, you know, this group of people. And we always end up in one place and we're getting so much activity in that one room. We never leave. And we're like, well, I wonder if there was anything else going on around here because <laughs> we were just stuck upstairs the whole time because we were getting such great interactions. This is a tough question for you. Rather than asking you like the scariest thing that's happened to you, because I don't know that that maybe is even anything, because it seems like you're a lot like we are. How about the most profound thing that's ever happened to you while you've been investigating? Or maybe it wasn't just investigating. Well, I have, it's a toss up. I have an experience that happened when I was living in my family's house, which is unexplainable. And then I had an experience on an investigation. But I would say that the experience when I was growing up is it's just something I can't, I'm a logical person. I try to come up with anything I can to debunk something. And this was a shared experience with myself and my father. And we both to this day don't really have answers. 
the way that it happened was I was a senior in high school. I remember this very clearly. I was getting, you know, ready for bed. I had my, as, as a lot of, you know, kids before you get ready for the day, you know, you set out your clothes and things you're going to wear the next day, you know, you set it out. And because of course I like to sleep into the very last minute. So I had all my clothes out. I had my shoes out that I would wear. And I was washing up in the restroom. I was getting ready to go to bed. My brother was sleeping. My mother was sleeping. My father was in the kitchen. Now, the kitchen was kind of like around this corner. So there was a long hallway. And I was in the restroom washing up. I was mid-wash, washing my face. And I hear a boom, boom, really loud booming sounds. So I'm still covered. And so running out of the bathroom, my father comes running around the hallway. He meets me in this hallway, which is right by my bedroom door. I see a shoe that had been sitting in my doorway that I had set out for the morning, you know, the next morning I was going to wear it to school. It was a, a pair of sneakers. So one of the sneakers, and he was a pretty new pair of sneakers. One of the sneakers was in the hallway now. The lace was shredded and the shoe was on the floor. So my father being Mr. Clean, Mr. OCD, oh my gosh, everything needs to be neat and perfect in the house. You know, I know he's not doing anything with the shoe. He would never throw the shoe. Because, you know, he would probably flip out if he saw anybody throw a shoe in the house. So he turns on the light and we're looking, we're trying to figure out what's happening. He goes, do you think maybe the cat somehow got the shoelace caught in his teeth or in his, you know, in his nails? Somehow maybe he flung the shoe. And I'm going, I don't know, because the cat was pretty small at that point. It was not exactly a kitten, but, you know, he was a small cat. And I'm going, I don't know, the lace is really shredded. And we start looking at the wall because he had turned the light on. This was like an even, you know, this happened at night. And we see now if I'm, I'm five foot nine, if I stand up and put my hand as high as I can above my head, and I had that shoe in my hand, there were two shoe prints on the wall, two perfect shoe wow. prints of like <laughs> what's on the bottom of the shoe. Like you could see the tread of the shoe. One, two above my head. So I would say probably six feet, maybe. I mean, I didn't measure it, but we're talking at least six feet perfectly clear footprints. Now, if it was the cat, which there was a cat in the house, the cat is not going to be able to get clear footprints, two of them, clear that high. Maybe you would see it close to the ground, you know, if he was getting, if it got stuck in his teeth or his, his paws, but it was above on the wall, too very clear. So that says to me, somebody had that shoe in their hand. Somebody pressed it as hard as they could against the wall twice. Boom, boom, which would account for the sound. I know I would never do that in my house because, like I said, my father was, you know, you wouldn't disrespect (laughs) his house like that. And everybody else in the house was asleep. So we could never figure out that. And it was a little alarming. And, you know, some things happened in that house that we couldn't explain. I still don't have answers to that to this day. And then the other quick story is, I would say about a year ago, we got locked into a location. Still can't wrap my mind around that one. The same one you visited, the King Cromarty house. Uh, we were visiting, we were, at this time, it wasn't a public night. It was a team night. So there was just team members. And one of the girls is a white witch. She, you know, practices white magic. And I think one of the spirits in the house did not like that. Maybe they were religious or they just, who knows. And she was, she kept feeling throughout the, we, we, we arrived and she wasn't feeling well. As soon as we got to the property, Dan let us in. We walked up to the door, Dan, the caretaker, it's a, it's a deadbolt lock. So he opened the lock with his key. It's only a deadbolt. 
And as you know, he's walking away, waving to us. He's going to unlock the other building for the other folks that are with us. He said, all right, guys, I'm leaving. We can't lock the door. So take the latch key. It's like a little, like a little, um, bar that goes over that you can latch it in. So that way, while we're inside, we can keep the door locked because there are some homeless folks in the area. He was worried about people trying to get in and, you know, maybe try to come in and and scare us or, or try to take something. So we did use the latch key. So while we're in this house investigating for about half an hour, 45 minutes, this girl, this witch, she's not feeling well. She's not feeling well. She says she wants to leave. So I said, all right, you know, we're, we're getting ready to get out of this house anyway. So I said, why don't you wait for us on the porch, you know, where we can see you because we want to make sure that everybody's safe. So she gets up to leave and she can't open the door. Then I said, guys, it's not locked. Just open the latch key. It's not locked. And then another girl went up and tried to open the door, couldn't open the door. Now I'm, I'm, I'm getting annoyed at this point because I know that it's not locked. I'm going, guys, it's probably stuck. You know, who knows in Florida, we have a lot of the humidity. It could, maybe the humidity is preventing you from opening the door. I don't know, but it's not locked. So I get up and I, and I'm looking at the door jam and I can see the deadbolt is locked. And wow. what's wild about that is, like I said, we watched the caretaker walk away and tell us I'm not locking the door. He's the only one who waved the keys that he had the keys in his hand. And he had walked away to another location on property. Nobody locked that door. Somehow the deadbolt got locked. So we had to call for them to come back and let us out. And unfortunately, there was no camera facing that angle on the outside. We did ask. He was the only person on property that had keys and he was in another area of the property. So we know that he didn't do it. And he was with people the entire time. So they were able to say, hey, Dan was with me. He didn't come back and lock that door. So who locked the door? <laughs> so right. I can't figure that out either. And I Dan don't. doesn't seem like the type that would try to pull that kind of a shenanigan on everybody. <laughs> no, because he's no nonsense. Right. So it's it was very odd. And I can't figure that out. So those two things, I'm still very much shocked and obviously intrigued by. But, you know, I don't I, I can't I can't explain them. So that was the, the weirdest, the weirdest situations that have ever happened to me. I love that last story because I was at the St. Augustine Lighthouse and we were in the lighthouse and the same thing happened to us. Uh, one, of, one of the people who was with us went out to go ask uh, one of the uh, employees there, would it be okay? Can we still climb up to the top of the lighthouse even though you guys aren't in here with us? And she went to come back in and couldn't get the door open. And I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe it got stuck or something. We're trying from our side inside to get it to open. There's two out there trying to get it open. One of them was a big guy. Can't get that door open. So she finally goes over and tells the tour guide and he had to come back. And the only way to lock it was with the key. He was the only one who had a key to turn that deadbolt. So I've had the exact same experience. And this is one of those things that we always ask, you know, kind of out loud to people. When you hear both of the experiences that you have had, you know, the first one even if it was a cat that was throwing the shoe around, it's probably going to be the side of the shoe and it's going to be a little scuff mark or something. But in order to get the bottom of that shoe and to get it firm enough that it's going to leave a mark takes some mass and some kind of strength with it. Same thing with turning a deadbolt for a lock. It always blows our mind because we're like, this is something that hasn't probably manifested. Maybe it did because, you know, you, you didn't see it. Mm-hmm. How do they have that? Uh, this is why we love this field is it's like, how do they without manifesting? And even if they have manifested, 
have the ability to touch things, to manipulate things, and to have that kind of pressure, that mass, that weight, that force in order to do that. It's just, it blows your mind. Absolutely. And it, and that's where it can become scary. And, you know, I, I personally wouldn't try to put myself in a location that I knew was violent or negative, but you know, this happens to people all the time. Maybe you're living in a house or you're, you're working somewhere and, and there's an entity that it, that doesn't like having you there. And it's, it can be a very off-putting and scary situation for so many people. And I, I like to try to look at it from as many angles as I can, but I think that in a lot of cases, when a spirit manifests this way, they're frustrated. They want your attention. They want you to know that they're there. They want you to acknowledge them. And maybe that's all it really takes for them to knock it off is for you to say, Hey, I'm sharing my space with you. I respect you. You respect me. And a lot of times, just that acknowledgement is enough to kind of stop that sort of behavior. Not every time, but I, I even think, you know, people getting pushed or, or not every scratch case, but if you get lightly scratched or it could just be someone trying to get your attention, it might not necessarily be negative. Of course, there are negative scratches and negative pushes, but I think a lot of it is misunderstood because Maybe somebody is trying so hard to let you know that they're there for whatever reason. And they just, they can't. Everybody is at a different level where they can perceive things with that. And some people are a little bit more open to it. Some people are a little bit more naturally sensitive to it. And other people are not. So it's an interesting thing, but it is very, it can be very scary. But I find that to be exciting personally. I get this just weird rush of adrenaline, you know, adrenaline, and I just, I want to ask more questions and know more. And everybody else is running away and I'm, <laughs> I'm just there to experience it. But I, I think in, in those kinds of situations, I tend to freeze because I'm just so interested. I've had a few situations where some people have just taken off and I just stand there like the fight or flight, but I, or fight, fight, flight or freeze. And I just, I freeze and I'm just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and I don't, you know, I don't know what to do when it in, until things, you know, go down. But and then, and then, of course, my adrenaline kicks in, and maybe I'll scoot <laughs> along. But it is just, it's so interesting. And I think there's so much about the paranormal that we don't know. And there are things that we are getting closer to. I think there's more and more evidence coming out each and every day. And now that everybody has a camera in their pocket, and we have more chances of capturing these things. We're, we're becoming more and more aware of evidence, especially with ring cams, home security sure. cameras and business security cameras. There's just so much of it you can't deny. And when you see something fly across a room or something get pushed or something get, you know, a door randomly closing for no reason. I mean, you can't deny that something's there. And I mean, I don't know exactly what it is. I know there's so many theories to it. Maybe it's an, a spirit. Maybe it's a, a time slip. Maybe it's, we're seeing, you know, back into yeah. another, another area of time where somebody was walking through there and we're seeing residual ripples. It could be so many different things, but we can't deny that it's there. And it is so intriguing as to why. Most definitely. You keep blowing my mind because the next question I have on the list here is to you, what is a ghost? And you just basically answered that because. We th we say the same thing. You know, if it's this time slip kind of thing, I could just imagine that person over there in the Victorian dress is looking at us in our T-shirt and jeans and going, what are they wearing? And we're looking over there going, 
look at that chick in the dress, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, well, it makes I, you it, wonder, is it, are they seeing us too? It's, it's you very know. well, a, I think it's a possibility. I really do think it's a possibility that there's a few things on the table for me. Of course, I'm very open to, you know, opinion on this. I, I love listening to theories, but I think that there are a few styles of what we're seeing. And I think, I don't think they're all the same. I think sometimes with a residual haunting, you know, we're just seeing an echo through time. Maybe it's something that repeats. The energy is trapped in a space. And those type of hauntings can happen even from people that are still living. Somebody's energy can imprint on a location sure. or a place or an object. And even if that person is not deceased, you might still hear a voice or you might still hear the footsteps or whatever the situation is, which is really interesting. Um, and that goes into, a, I'm not going to get into too much of the details, but tape, you know, the tape theory. Now, stone tape, stone tape theory. And now with the, you know, the idea of someone having a tragic event happening and getting stuck, that's also a big possibility. You know, somebody had death happening so quickly and you're not really sure why or what happened. Even younger children, that happens a lot too, because they they just don't understand what's going on. Then they get caught in this situation and they're, they're stuck, they're trapped, which is tragic. It's horrible. And then there is, of course, people that I think choose to stay. Maybe they are not ready to move on or they like their house or they like their place of work or whatever reason they want to stay. And then, of course, there there could be a time slip. And there's a lot of evidence to back that up. You know, there are people that run into a spirit and the spirit, like you said, acknowledges them and they acknowledge the spirit. And it's just this moment of what are you doing here? But what are you doing here? I think that there's more to that. And I think that maybe, you know, as time goes on, more and more scientists are looking at these topics. Maybe we'll get more answers, but I just don't think the paranormal is quite as, you know, black and white as some people like to think it is. I think there is multi, it's multifaceted and there's also so much gray area in there. And who knows? I mean, we, we could have answers tomorrow. It just, I think the more eyes and ears we have on this stuff, the more answers we're going to get. Definitely. Now, is there a bucket list location that you're wanting to investigate that you've not quite gotten to yet? Yes, I really, really would like to do the Winchester Mystery House. It's been on my list for a very long time. I've just always been fascinated by it. It's just not only is it a beautiful home, but, you know, the quirkiness to it and the paranormal (laughs) side of it. It's just it to me, that would be such a cool location to check out. And it's definitely next time I'm in California, I'm making it happen. Awesome. Gina, I want to thank you for joining us. Where can the listeners find out more about you? I am on, I'm, I'm usually on Instagram. I also have TikTok, but I will have to say I'm not on that as often. The Instagram is she haunts. And through that page, you can see I have a, a blog linked in my bio and I talk about various topics, locations, ghost hunting equipment, theories, all sorts of goodies. If you're into that kind of stuff. I also in addition to blogging, I'm also a writer for Paranormality Magazine. I do a artist feature each month. And I also do articles that talk about various paranormal topics. And you can you can see the magazine on my link as well. And I also love exploring cemeteries. I'm an artist, a photographer. I love seeing beautiful headstones and statues. So I do a lot of that. I have a lot of my photography on my page. And I just, I love paranormal topics. So if you ever want to shoot me a message, drop a comment on one of my, you know, my pictures or videos. I love to chat about these kinds of things. And I'm always open to making new paranormal friends. Very cool. Well, have a great evening. And thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank yes, you for thank having you. me. That was a great interview, Kelly. I feel like we made a friend with Gina. We're definitely going to get together with her and do some investigating. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Definitely our kind of people. Indeed. I want to thank you guys for joining us on this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.